This is PRN, your as-needed dose of medical knowledge. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. And I'm Chandler Davis. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. It is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or the practice of medicine. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Adward via College of Osteopathic Medicine or any other institution or employer. Happy Nurses Week, everyone. We're going to take some time today to learn from Kate Grimming about some do's, some don'ts, and about the humanity within medicine. My name's Kate Grimming. I'm a certified registered nurse in Tampa, Florida. Um, I've been in my position for just shy of a year, and I work on a cardiovascular telemetry surgical, post-surgical unit. So, you know, this month. For Nurses Week, we had talked about before that I'm trying to get a good sense of how physicians can be better partners in health with nurses. Very prominent within healthcare for a really long time. Um, but I think it's been changing a lot in the past couple of decades. So what is, what is your view, I guess, of the relationship between the nurse and the physician? I guess I have a very different opinion than if you ask, like, a, a seasoned nurse, because I'm technically still a novice. Our, like, more common physicians, so, like, all of our CT surgeons, they don't know who you are yet, so it's a hard for them to put all of their trust in you as the nurse, which, you know, you have to give them credit for. Some of the nurses on our unit have been there for 20 years, and they have their personal cell phone numbers and all of these things. But the more and more you actually get to interact with them, I think the more trust they have in you as a professional, and then your relationship gets a little bit easier. Um, I'm also a night shift nurse, so it's really you, – you don't talk to the same person more than once usually unless it's like a very specific on-call like physician assistant or nurse practitioner that only works nights. Most of the actual, like, surgeons and physicians aren't on at night. So your day shift coworkers, like, just see them on the floor and can grab them. But you have that, like, okay, now it's 4 a.m. and I have to call and wake this person up because something happened to my patient. And you have to, like, actually know what you're talking about when you get to that point or else you're going to get yelled at. <laughs> Which nobody is, likes like, to be woken up. <laughs> no, they don't. And I get it. And, but, like, that's the one thing, like, when physicians are on call at night, I'm not going to call you for no reason. I, like, I need you to trust me that I'm not going to call you because my patient wants Tylenol and the Tylenol is not in. I'm going to call you because my patient is in, like, 10 out of 10 pain and needs, like, a Percocet. <laughs> so it's it's kind of that, like, like I'm going to respect your sleep. But you also have to respect the needs that I'm trying to advocate for our patient because it's a joint responsibility. That's, like, the big thing with night shift because it's hard, and I get it. <laughs> and some some practices do have people that are, like, supposed to be up all night. They're not at home. They're usually either in the hospital or at one of the other hospitals that they cover. And that's, that's like, the best. That's, like... This is awesome. So we're partnered with the local university here in Tampa and their med school. So a lot of their, like, residents and their whole practice, they're at the hospital in-house 24-7. 
and that's like the best that's like you know the best you're gonna get as like a a practice because they're supposed to be up all night they're already there they're very willing to help you they'll be right there you know if you need something and I think even when you are at home even when you are like the the cardiologist who's at home and you're nobody from your practice is there 24-7, you have to still kind of, you know, just because somebody else is there for your patient, you still also have to be there for your patient. You have to, like, have that sense of, you know, this person's trusted their life in my hands. And I think sometimes, in the middle of the night, at least in my experience, people forget that. And they'll try and pass it off to, like, another um, practice. And in my – my rule is always to call primary first, so I usually always call a hospitalist first. But if it's a heart issue and I work on a cardiac floor, I'm probably going to need to wind up going with a cardiologist. So at that point, it's – that's when we have, like, friction. And it's because nobody wants to – no physicians want to communicate with each other. And you have to play, like, the middleman of the RN. Um, so, like, when primary says something different, but you want to clarify it with cardiology, then it's this whole, like, nonsense. When, like, if somebody would just talk to the other person, it would be, like, if one physician would talk to another physician, it would be, your life would be so much easier. They would figure out exactly what they wanted between each other, and then, you can go from there. That's like the big thing. So then I asked Kate, how does that end up impacting the nurse? And and I don't know if if it's like, oh well I don't I just don't want to talk to that physician because I don't like him or whatever. Or like you know, well my order is going to trump his order anyways. So like why do I have to talk to them? It's that definitely gets taken out on nurses a lot because you're like constantly playing like okay, well, cardiology said this, nephrology said this, primary said this, neuro said this. And, you know, you have these patients that can have five, six different uh, services on board. So it's it's difficult to kind of coordinate everybody's uh, end goal in the situation. And I don't think, you know, it doesn't just get taken out on us, it gets taken out on the patient, which is the hardest part. Like, I mean, I can deal with with running around like a chicken, it's, it's you know, the patient's ultimately going to suffer because nobody can communicate properly. And I don't know that it's always ego. Sometimes I feel like it's just they don't see the need because the RN is there. The RN will make the phone call. So. Yeah, that's so interesting because I hadn't thought about complex patients having multiple physicians as a second-year medical student. You know, we haven't been out on the floors or doing rotations yet, so everything is taught to you, like, okay, well, you get to make the decisions for the patient. You don't think about the complexity of the patient, meaning that you need to work in a team, especially in a hospital Mm -hmm. setting, and how that relationship would then be related to the other team members that aren't necessarily physicians who don't get to make the decisions, just that they more so, they work out the decisions that have been made. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah, so it it comes down on the nurses, it comes down on your therapist, it comes down 
on even our techs because they're the only reason we're able to do our job. So it's very, um, it's a very complex situation, and I just don't think we're as good at communicating as everybody, as, like as we should be because of the way technology is now. You know, I can get a hold of anybody anywhere. Like you're in Virginia and I'm in Tampa and we're having a great conversation and, <laughs> you know, it's fine. But this is not, like it's, I think we really need to improve on the way we utilize technology when we talk about patient care, um, plan of care, goals, orders, things like that for patients. I then asked Kate to talk a little bit about miscommunication. A good situation that I recall from one of my patients that I, it wound up being a good communication with a, with a surgeon afterwards. And she, she, you know, she felt bad that the other surgeon got really upset with me. <laughs> she, um, primary had come in. This woman was very, very sick. She had, from what looked like to us, an NG tube. And primary was like, okay, well, it's the suction. If she tolerates it off suction, maybe we'll pull it out tomorrow. And we're all, you know, okay. Surgery comes in the next morning. I've had her all night. And it's not an NG tube. It's an endovac, which I didn't even know what that was <laughs> until I met her, the surgeon. And she's like, why is her endovac not up to suction? I'm like, because primary told us not to do it. <laughs> and they're like, it, that's not primary's job. That's not their NG tube. Like, that's not their tube. They don't get to tell you what to do with it. Please hook it back up to suction. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then the, the resident surgeon came in and was like, I'm so sorry. I meant to come check on her, and I didn't. And if I had, this wouldn't have happened. It's not your fault. And primary just needs to not touch things that they're not supposed to touch. And so it, it like, wound up being okay. And the woman was fine even with the suction off all night. But it was this whole, like, miscommunication between teams that I think if things were clearer in the chart or with the patient, because she didn't know what it was for either, they would have, like, not had this issue. And then it, like, again comes back to us and kind of gets taken out on us because we're just, yes, we have all of our critical thinking skills, and I can offer you any advice that I can because I'm at the bedside and will tell you anything I find in my assessment if it's weird and things like that. But in the long run, like when physicians get angry, it's usually at us, even if it's not our fault. So I was going to ask, like, as a medical student, technically mm -hmm. you have a higher rank than a medical student. I'm wondering, like, how a medical student could then avoid these kind of bad interactions in your mind. I don't know how much you work with them, but you did say that you worked with at the university. Yeah, so I do work in a teaching hospital. We have med students there all the time. But I am night shift, so I don't see them as much as day shift does. Um, when you're out as a med student in your clinical rotations, and I, I think it's funny that you said that technically an RN would have a higher rank than you as a med student, um, I can list very few med students that actually feel that way, um, which is fine. I get it. You're going to be a doctor. But I'm also, I'm at the bedside for 12 hours, and most physicians are at the bedside for tops 30 minutes. So it, like, it's very, 
you know, you need to trust your nurses and be nice to them. <laughs> um, but but when you're in, in med school and you finally get out and you get to go see those people, this is your learning experience. Take everything you can. Listen to your, your attending physician that you're rounding with. Ask your nurse about that patient. Um, ask the patient about how much they know about their own condition because you'll find some people know a whole hell of a lot about what's wrong with them, why they're here, what the goal is, and some people don't know at all. Some people are like, I just learned that I've been taking a med for 20 years and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was for. So take those moments to provide your own education so that your RN can come in and and like re-emphasize it Take that moment to round with with one of the nurses on the floor. Go ask your nurse what like what the actual goal is for that patient. Let her tell you about them because I promise she knows everything <laughs> there is to know about the plan of care for that person. And if you see other physicians that aren't like if if you're rounding in your like cardiology rotation and you see nephrology on the unit, ask them questions too. And and build that rapport with another physician because that's like the only way I think we're gonna f- help work on that like interdisciplinary like care and respect and communication and cooperation. So then I asked, how exactly do you build a relationship with a nurse as a medical student? I don't think a lot of med students get to hear kind of that position. I think it's a lot of them like don't don't know to talk to the nurse. And then they become like residents and then they're like, oh sh- I have to talk to the nurse. So it's, Yes. You don't know the experience. They don't know your experience at all, so they don't know how to interact, I feel like. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, you'll be you'll have either first-year residents or or med students in the room trying to talk to the patient or trying to do something, and and they will ask you for help. And we're always willing to help you. Like, it's, you know, it's everybody learns. Nurses have to learn by touching people and asking for help, too. I've learned a lot of great pearls of wisdom from uh, physicians when I was in nursing school because we always had that opportunity to, like, stop because our like our precepting RN would take care of it and I got to go sit in the room with the physician while he talked to my patient and that was very 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 insightful I try to do that anytime that I can um, on the floor but it's hard because I then have four other people to take care of that are my responsibility so I can't just stop and like go sit in a room with a physician for an hour. Do you have any specific bad experiences other than the one that you shared that you wanted or feel would be valuable for medical students to learn? Um, I, okay. So I think this, this experience is more about like respect as like an, as a medical professional, because sometimes, uh, and, and it's a, it's a cardiologist thing sometimes, but you know, when you call somebody, I, I'm calling you because there's a problem. You don't need to yell at me. And and I, it's not my job to put in your orders. So I had a physician when I called him. And it wasn't even that late. It was only like 10 o'clock, 930. Like, I just got to work. And my patient went to AFib. 
our atrial fibrillation. Um, and I need I needed orders for amiodarone to start and get our try and get our con- converted back. And this physician was just so sour that I had to call him, and he's like, "I'm not going to put in orders for you from my bed." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> And I had only been on my own for, like, two weeks off orientation. I, like, didn't know how to react to this person. And it was, it was like, the worst night. And I still kind of have a sour taste in my mouth every time I have to talk to that physician. And he's a cardiologist, so I have to talk to him quite often. And it's very, I'm like, mm, this sucks. <laughs> so don't burn bridges before you even know you need that bridge. <laughs> it's hard for me to have the like the the motivation and the, the like guts to call him because I don't want to get yelled at again. And I like anytime you know you are having that interaction, you always think of that bad interaction, and you're like, I mean, I know it was it was night shift and like nobody wants to get called and those things, but like you still don't have a right to treat me like that. Call. Kate and I got on a little side tangent, but in the middle of it, she mentions how having something like this happen can really break down other points of care. Every nurse will have this very, like, kind of almost rigid um, way they run their shift. And it's for your own, like, you know, time management, for your own sanity, <laughs> things like that. And as soon as something, like, gets thrown in the middle of it like that, whether it's like a major emergency, you're getting an admit, whatever, it's terrible. And then you're behind all night <laughs> trying to play catch up. So like my night is yeah. now terrible, your night is now terrible, and now we're just mad at each other. And I'm <laughs> it's I was curious to know what the differences then were between night shift and day shift nurses, because truly I had no concept. This is what Kate had to say. In my opinion, being a night shift nurse and having that, you know, I have to stand on my own. I have to use my own critical thinking skills. Nobody's here to kind of catch things. Like, the physicians aren't here. So I have to be the one that's going to that's gonna ultimately make, make the phone calls, make the decisions when I see my patients, things like that. It's made me a stronger nurse in the entire first year that I've been a nurse than I think anybody on day shift would and I think part of that's you know because day shift's busy and stuff so you don't have a lot of time to like look look through things in depth like you do at night and everybody's kind of there and not to hold your hand but to to support you you don't have to stand by yourself as much so I I have had to to find the confidence that no I have to stand by my assessment I have to stand by my advocacy for my patient and I know when I'm going to call you, it's either going to be a big deal or because it's it's imperative that it happens right now. Seeing that Kate is a friend, I got a little riled up when I heard that somebody had been rude to her. But she takes a moment to remind us about the humanity within medicine and how important that is. You're still learning, mm-hmm. and that's not appropriate for a physician who is working at a teaching hospital. They should have, you know, made the point to say, like, oh, just so you know, in the future this might have been an easier step for you so that we don't get the wrong people involved or something more like constructive or productive. Yeah. The way he reacted sounds neither of those things. Yeah. And 
my my whole thing is you never know what somebody's day was like. You, like, never know what they're going through, things like that. I've had, in the past, like, in nursing school, physicians get very upset with me and my nurse, but, you know, he's going through a divorce, like, and it's not a, it's not an excuse to take it out on somebody, but, okay, I understand that you're really in a very fragile state, and here I am poking and prodding you. I understand that. So I understand that, you know, sometimes it's things that you don't know about, and you find that with patients a lot, too. Like, sometimes you'll ask a question, and it'll spark this whole spiral of things that haven't even been a problem before now and and then they're crying and it's all these like issues and it happens with physicians too because you are going to go in and ask uh sensitive questions and that is one thing you you like learn in your clinical experience before you you actually have to go do it in the real world is you need to learn how to like talk to that person and be therapeutic in your communication because if you don't start with therapeutic communication it's it's going to be so much harder to learn as you become more experienced and more set in your ways so it's that you know you never you never know what somebody's going through until you ask but it's never an excuse to take it out on somebody else um i and i think that that medical people oh sorry go ahead I was going to say, this is just like an RN situation. For me personally, you know, this past couple weeks, my dad called me while I was on the floor uh, because my aunt had died. And I had to have, like, go take my moment, pull myself together. And I had this one patient, and she, she has, you know, this psych history. So it's not, it wasn't a, you know, you abandoned me. She just kind of always cries. Um, but I didn't want her to feel like I forgot about her because uh, she just wanted her pain meds and to go to sleep. So I had to pull, like I had to be very therapeutic in the way that I told her that I was going through something so that it wasn't, you know, I'm taking away from your experience, but I'm trying to explain to you that I have my own personal struggle and I'm not trying to ignore you or not take care of you. I need I needed that moment for myself and I'm going to do as much as I can to make up for it and then I'm going to you know you're going to get a new nurse because I have to go home. And and most people are very responsive to especially when you when you show them that you are also vulnerable because they're in the mo- like this is like the worst few days of their life because they're like super sick they're in the hospital they can't do really most things by themselves if they're, like, one-day post-op and they've got, you know, these chest tubes and big mid-sternal incis- like incisions and things like that. And it's scary, and I, and I understand that. And they have, you know, you have to have that, like, give and take without giving too much of yourself or without, like, being that overbearing, like that, like, I'm going to make this all about me. As we do in every segment, I wanted to ask what her advice was for future and current medical students. I guess just as a physician, thank your nurse because you can't you do your job without her uh, or him. But thank your nurse, be grateful for your nurse, trust your nurse, uh, respect your nurse, and then everything will be just fine. I promise. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me. I feel like I have actually learned a lot. To all of our nurses out there, 
Thank you for all you do, and happy Nurses Week. For more PRN, please be on the lookout. If you like this episode, tell someone about it and start up a conversation. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. I'm Chandler Davis. And this is PRN.